0: Hey, welcome to the, is it Wednesday? The Wednesday podcast. Holy cow. This one was hard to get through uh, because we have so much to talk to you about. We have more on the impeachment and news that nobody else has. um, uh, That is really critically important that you understand and pass on to your friends. Uh, We also have some financial news that nobody seems to want to be talking about. Some of the things that Donald Trump did yesterday, including open skies, uh, a law that he has repealed. And I'm happy about it, but it it opens the door to a lot of questions on why. What are we preparing for? And there's some rumors going around about uh, the uh, the funds, the sovereign funds that the Chinese uh, own. And we'll talk about that. Also, the NBA. Uh, what is really happening with the whistleblowers in Ukraine the 76ers kicking the guys out who are saying free Hong Kong. Also, Turkey has just invaded Syria. What does that mean? Boy this is a this is a jam-packed podcast. Don't miss a second of it here it is.
1: You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck
0: program. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, what is happening in China. Stu, can you give me an update on what you have with the NFL and everything else? China's changing Uh, in NBA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be
1: a really increase in the aggressiveness Mm -hmm. of China Mm -hmm. over even just the past few weeks. The the ridiculous NBA saga with uh, Daryl, Daryl Morey, um, who is an NBA general manager for the Houston Rockets. And uh, like, just to put a, an emphasis on this, because Mm -hmm. he tweeted out, I support Hong Kong, you know, support democracy Mm -hmm. was, was just obliterated by not only the league, his owner, other owners. How dare you insult the people's Republic of China? Uh, and the and the wonderful Communist Party was essentially the response. Now, um, after a real blowback from Americans saying, oh, uh, wait, wait, what are you guys doing? You're siding with the Chinese government here? Uh, there was a little bit of a step back yesterday. Uh, Adam Silver, who is the commissioner, released a statement that I thought was really weak, frankly, that said, well, we're not going to crack down on people's uh, personal views if they're employees of the league, which was exactly what they had done for the past few days. Uh, he did make a a statement and said uh, a little bit more clearly yesterday that uh, it, we're not we understand that he had a, a viewpoint and we're not going to uh, we're not going to get involved in whether he's right or wrong. Um, so there was a little bit of an improvement in the NBA's position yesterday. This did not help uh, the opinion of China, however, who then not only Has been taking down posters around the cities for the games that are being scheduled. That were scheduled there. They're not airing them. They have a streaming service there that is not airing the games. Uh, There's a big, big pushback there, and this is coming to a major head. um, And you get the sense that South Park was right. You know, China basically is controlling multiple, uh, you know, large portions of our economy because they can hold us at gunpoint. And if you think this is bad, if you look at the way the NBA has reacted, it's going to point you to the to what you know Glenn has been talking about uh, for a million years on
0: how they could do this with our entire economy. So I want to take you there. Um, first of all, let's just remember that something's wrong with our banking system. I just sent something to Bowie, one of our producers uh, in the um, in the in the control room. If you could uh, open that up and put that chart up, this is something that Stu. Uh, found very interesting yesterday and and you found this chart i think in the wall street journal maybe it was a wall street journal chart yeah yeah and um you said you've been talking about this bank this quiet bank bailout for a while i just saw a graphic on it and it totally changes everything
1: yeah, uh, can you explain exactly? Because yeah, so this is the very, repo, complicated. Yeah, yeah. very complicated. Yeah, very complicated.
0: This is the repo um, uh, market, and what happens is every bank has to have a certain amount of money, uh, you know, in their coffers when they close every night for the overnight. And uh, sometimes they're short. You know, they might be short five billion, or I mean five million, or or you know whatever it is, and so they borrow money. From the other bank and they'll say, hey, we're short something. Can we just can we just sell you these treasuries uh, and or you give us a loan based on these treasuries and we'll pay you one percent for the 20, you know, for the 24 hours or the actually it's usually about eight hours. And they're like, fine. And so it happens all the time. The Fed doesn't usually get involved. Now, it used to uh, prior to 2008, but it wasn't a very big deal. You would just go to the Fed, and the Fed would take your asset and they would give you a loan and blah, 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 blah. The standard. However, not what's been happening. What's been happening um, since the oil fields went on fire, you will see now, if you happen to be watching the blaze, let's describe this for our radio listeners. Um, You will see that the beginning of this chart uh, starts in 2005, and it is marked in billions of dollars. So you will see that the Fed was bailing these banks out or borrowing, lending money to these banks every night, uh, you know, between... 25 and 48, uh, is this in billions? Yeah, Mm -hmm. billion dollars, Mm -hmm. okay, every night. And it just rotates. You give it back the next day. You will see that in 2008, when Bear Stearns went belly up, you will see that it went up to $125 billion uh, every night. And we all know what happened. Yeah, I mean, that's a crisis situation. Correct. Right. Right. Correct. Then they were bailed out, and it went to almost zero every night for a long, long time. What, almost ten? Ten years. years. Ten years. Ten years of zero dollars. Zero. And then on September eighteenth, for the first time. So it's a, it's a kind of like a heartbeat graph mm-hmm. with one big spike up to one hundred and twenty-five. You know, for the Bear Stearns thing, and then it goes almost flatline all the way to zero. For ten years, which
1: is the best case scenario, right? For this particular measure,
0: then on September eighteen, all of a sudden it spikes up to seventy five billion. Then by September twenty fifth, it's at a hundred and five billion, and then by October second, it's a hundred and eighty one billion.
1: More than it was during the two thousand eight collapse. Uh, a
0: lot more. Mm-hmm. It was about a hundred and thirty was the very top for one day, uh, and then it kind of spiked back down. This is $181 billion and it's still going on. So we don't know what's going on with our banks. We have no idea. Now let me give you how this ties into China. We are already in a precarious situation. I told you at the beginning that trade wars always uh, follow a certain pattern. And when the world is on edge, that pattern always ends in war for instance what was the boston tea party
1: yeah basically trade, a war. trade war yeah trade war mm-hmm.
0: okay uh, trade wars between countries when they are when countries are in conflict that's usually the last step and here's what happens the first step is there's some sort of uh a political crisis and that leads to some sort of a banking crisis now, we had that. We, had our, we have our political crisis going on, and we also had our banking collapse in 2008. The next step always is the governments step in to bail their banks out, and they start to devalue their money. They start to just print money. Well, we've done that. Then, because other countries begin to devalue theirs, look overseas, look at what everybody is doing, the trade imbalances start to go crazy and that's when trade wars start that's the last step before war is a trade war and there's a few reasons for it trade wars usually get nasty and nationalistic and so you start saying well we're not in this with them and they're not in this with us and you start throwing barbs back and forth, and it spirals out of control. And World War I, World War II, both started by trade wars. Now, here's the next step. Here's the latest in our trade war. Now, this has been leaked, um, and uh, these people who leaked this should be, um, should be found. I mean, I really believe the White House is a sieve. And we are leaking things for political reasons that are very bad. So here's what uh, we do know. I want you to recall that in in prior programs, we noted that the Chinese printed 51 trillion U.S. dollars in their money um, and used a portion of that to invest in Western and U.S. stocks and bonds, these were off balance sheet holdings per their own financial st- stability report in 2018 so they reported this but they was off their balance sheet they printed 51 trillion dollars so you know if we gather up all the cash in the entire world every you know every yak and every clam and every dollar and every pa- uh, a pound we take all of it that is 50 trillion dollars. So they printed more than what the entire world has out in circulation. Half of that went 15 between 15 and 24 trillion is the estimate from the Bank of International Settlements that the Chinese now bought in US stocks, bonds and real estate. This according to their 2018 report marco rubio in, introduced a bill in the senate early this year requiring foreign holders of u.s equities to report ownership structures a backdoor way for us to know who owns the companies who owns the trusts who owns the llcs that are making this investment the bill for some reason most likely china never made it out of committee We speculated at the time that it was possible that President Xi from China was weaponizing our own financial system against us, enabling him to crash the U.S. economy just by hitting a sell button. If they have 24, uh, I want to make sure this is right, yes, 15 to 24 trillion dollars invested in U.S. stocks and bonds, if he hits sell... We have a major depression on our hands. So something happened yesterday that is very important. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. We have some bad news. The world is at war today. Uh, Turkey has launched their initiative to rid the world of the Syrian Kurds. Well, that's not possible
2: because yesterday the president tweeted out that uh, we are not abandoning the Kurds in any way. Uh, They're special people. They're wonderful fighters. And likewise, we have a great relationship with Turkey. So don't worry about that. And then Lindsey Graham To the Turkish government, you do not have a green light to enter into northern Syria. Unfortunately, they have entered into northern Syria. Is it possible they caught the yellow, the yellow light? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they just caught the yellow yeah, light, and yeah, just at the adjust. very end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. it was yeah. very amber, <laughs> very amber. <laughs> but we didn't, we didn't have a, a camera at the at the lights. So right. we don't know. We don't <laughs> so know. Turkish warplanes have started to carry out airstrikes on civilian areas. Apparently, there's huge panic among the people of the region.
0: There should be. Wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. This is this this is going to go down as look I I I want our troops home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do too. I want our troops I home. I want to be out of all of these foreign entanglements. However, when a country says that they are going to commit genocide, you take them at their word, especially when they have a history of genocide. The Kurds. The problem is these Kurds are not good guys. Now they happen to be on our side against ISIS, but they're not good. They're not. They're not Americans. Okay. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't love America. They're. They are communist Marxists, um, and they they would be fighting us just as fast. But that's not why Turkey is going in to get them. Turkey wants. The rest of Turkey back. This is all about what is it? The Balfour line. What was that line called? um You know, the line that we 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 made that ISIS was trying to make a big deal out of. That they had okay. we well, we'll have to go back. My, yeah, yeah, I know. No, I We've done so many shows on these things over <laughs> the last ten years. This is all about division after after World War One. After World War One, mm-hmm. and right. we yeah. divided it. And uh, ISIS was trying to take that back for Mm -hmm. the, you know, the caliphate. And now Turkey is trying to take that back. And Turkey doesn't want just Syria. They also want the Iraqi Kurds who are really pro-American, who we have abandoned every time, Mm -hmm. who are really good people. There are also Christians in these communities in Syria that are being bombed by Turkey as of right now. So we have abandoned the Kurds that wiped out ISIS. We helped them. And then we just said, see ya. And Turkey had been saying, we're going to go in and slaughter all those people because they're terrorists. Okay. And as President Trump said, he's,
2: he's fought them off doing that for three years. He's been telling them, no, just hang on. No, we're, we're in the area. No. And I, I don't know if he got tired of
0: telling them no. No, I think what's happening is I think the impeachment... Is um, is now starting to affect policy because the president's uh, the president needs to fulfill some promises. You'll notice in the last week we've been talking about the border uh, and and there's all kinds of news about the border on how many, you know, a million plus came in last year uh, and like, what is it, 160 miles of the border has just been completed or something like that. They've been doing that. He wants to get out Mm. of war. Nobody is helping him in the Pentagon and the State Department get out of these wars. And so he's just starting to say, screw you. We'll put alligators down at the southern border and I'm going to pull them out because you guys wouldn't do what I asked. And I believe this is a, a... a function of uh, deep state, but not the way we think of deep state. When we think of deep state, people usually think that's a star chamber and everything else. That's not the kind of deep state we have, although the Ukraine thing is beginning to look like it. We don't have a deep state like that. What we have are these career people in Intel career people in uh, the State State Department Department that have their own policies that they believe Mm -hmm. is right. And so they will thwart the president because they know they'll outlast him. That's the kind of deep state we have. And uh, I think they just refuse to move. This is what President Bush told me when I was in the office. I was in the Oval Office and he tried to calm me down on something and he made it worse by saying, look, whoever gets in and sits behind this desk is going to make almost the same decisions because they'll get the same advice and they'll have the same facts they're working on. Well, Donald Trump doesn't care. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like that advice and he doesn't Mm -hmm. care about those facts. He says that this has been caused because of... Decades of screwing it up. So we're not gonna screw it up anymore.
2: And he talked the other day about his great and unmatched wisdom. He he believes his wisdom <laughs> is unmatched. And so he's gonna decide. It definitely comes off. Okay.
1: Doesn't it come off though as if Turkey's just pushing us around? I mean, yeah, it does. They they are coming. They're basically demanding get out, get out, get out, get out. We we say yes. They have the balls to to send a communications director to write an op ed in the Washington Post uh, saying, "Look, yeah, we're going to go in there and we're going to get these guys because they're a terrorist organization that's been working with the United States." By the way, Uh, this terrorist organization. We're going to go in there and protect all of our people, and and that's going to happen. I mean, they're announcing this in our newspaper basically get out mm-hmm. and then we'll go in and take care of this the right way
2: yep that's a that's a weird position for the united states to be in these kurds are reminiscent to me of the mujahideen in afghanistan who we also supported mm-hmm. and we also armed and we also funded and they were the enemy of our enemy and they were fighting against the soviet union so it was cool then that's kind of like and these then to turned now. into and, osama bin laden yeah But that doesn't
0: mean you just allow Turkey to come in and do whatever they please. So here's the problem. Here's the problem. I wouldn't have a problem if Turkey was doing this. This is between Turkey and Syria and the Syrian Kurds. But but Turkey is on the record wanting all of the land and they want all all Kurds dead. Yeah, they're trying so, to
2: reestablish the Ottoman Empire.
0: Right. And so the problem with this is, is this is not like these Kurds were, uh, you know, are super bad. They are in some regards. We were mm-hmm. using them like the Mahajidine or mm-hmm. however, you, I never could say those that name um, as uh, it, it, we were using them and they're bad guys. Mm-hmm. However, the real problem for me is. Turkey's stated goal over the last decade has been to get rid of all of the Kurds. Get rid of all of them. Kill them all. Mm. So they are talking about a genocide. If they were just talking about these particular Kurds because these guys were causing problems for China, but not the, or for Turkey, but not these Kurds over here. You know, we don't care about their race or whatever, but they do. This is genocide.
1: And I think a lot of times this winds up uh, in a zoom out situation where we're looking at the big picture and talking about these in general concepts, but what's mm-hmm. actually happening here is we had what a couple of hundred troops who were not fighting on the front lines in Syria assisting uh the Kurdish tr- troops in that region and that was what was mm-hmm. keeping Turkey out from wiping all these people out so we pull yeah. out a hundred and fifty what two hundred troops out so they can stand across uh, an invisible line in Iraq and watch the Kurds get slaughtered and by the way, when we say we want to bring our boys home, they're just—is is Iraq home? Because they're just pushing them across the border to Iraq. They're now in Iraq. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're home.
0: So can I ask mm-hmm. you? Can I ask you a question? What do you do? Because I don't want to be protecting or be in bed with the Syrian Turks or Syrian uh, Kurds. I don't. I don't think that ever works out well. They, they always turn into Osama bin Laden. Always they turn against us. So I don't want to help them. I didn't want them. I didn't want them to be on our side. You know, uh, from the beginning. Look at every time we get into bed with a world power or any power that is bad. We did this mm-hmm. with Russia. The <laughs> Russia was our ally. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Then what did we do? We created the biggest foe because we said they were good. No, they weren't good look at what we're doing with china we are creating our biggest foe because we're saying that they're good they've never been good they killed 60 million people so i don't want to be in the round around the world going you know what we're just best friends with you and we're in bed with you and we'll help you with the military and you'll help us and that's great i don't want any of that i don't want any of that so how do you end that how do you end it? Unless you just say, yep, some people are going to be killed, but I got to pull them out. Well, I mean, what Trump has promised right here for, to potentially fight against this is massive economic To destroy their economy. Right. And let's, he's not going to. You don't yeah, think he's going to take that step? Think. Not on not so on either. Syria. Not on Syria. He'll let them kill him in Syria. All right, man. That's, all
1: right, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't. I assume he does not want that to occur, obviously, so... Um, you know, he and he did threaten that publicly. So we'll yeah, see. He did. I mean, you know, Boldly for Syria
2: and publicly for Syria. Well, yeah, uh, his, I think he the, said he, he asked, wouldn't allow Turkey to come in and just and and take the Kurds. He said something about if they do something inhumane, <clears throat> yes. which I guess is a
1: is a line that's a little different than them coming in. I mean, I think genocide. As the op-ed says in the Washington Post, uh, during a phone call with the president of of Turkey on Sunday. Ah, uh, President Trump agreed to transfer the leadership of the counter-Islamic state campaign to Turkey. That's how the op-ed Jeez. opens. This
0: is from the Turkey, the communications director Ow. of Turkey in the Washington Post today. Can that possibly be true? I mean, he—you uh, can't turn an anti-Islamic no uh, movement over, over to Turkey to, ah, to an Islamic. Doesn't sound uh, like uh, there's going to be a good
1: outcome from that right? authoritarian That's state. That's uh, bad. Now look, I, a lot of teams, I think we've come to a point with war, and I made this point I think a couple times before, but where we kind of judge it by the wrong metrics, where like we're like, "Yo, know, here's the length of time from the beginning of the invasion to today, and now it's our longest war." Like I hate that argument when it comes to Afghanistan because, like, we can say, "Is that yes, it is?" Our, let's just say it is our longest war, which I, you know, I, I quibble with because what what is war, right? when you think of war, you think of World War II. When Continual of, battles. Uh, the, yeah, exactly. Every day. Like, uh-huh. yes, we are Active still fighting. involved in the situation, but mm-hmm. would you rather have a, a one-week war where 500,000 people are killed on your side, or would you rather have a very long war with very few people killed, which is the new style of war? I don't like war at all, but the idea that 150 people being kept um, in what seems to be relatively... For that region, safe circumstances because they're not on the front uh, uh, lines of battle to prevent an uh, an entire uh, you know group of people that have assisted us to get it wiped out does not seem like um, the the idea of being world the world's policeman. I think the world's policeman is
0: we are constantly mm. invading Honestly, places. The, and, yeah, the world's policeman yeah. is what Donald Trump promised he would do. If you do something wrong. Then we'll come in and we'll punish you. Well, that's the world's policemen, right? A peacekeeping force, which they never are. No, but a peacekeeping force is what we actually were doing there. You know, we were, you were security the forces, security force just mm-hmm. making helping. sure that things, Training. you know, are are stable and they don't fall into extremist hands.
1: So we were helping, right? We were helping with airstrikes. We were helping with. Resources we were helping with training and advice, but what was our real role there? Our real role there was—he's not of coming it. in while our guys are there because they don't want to—they don't want to
2: conflict with us. Yeah. And almost the instant it happens, they're in. Mm-hmm. No, it is the and instant. they promised yeah. it in our newspaper, in right. our capital, despite the fa- the warnings from the president and uh, U.S. senator. And they did it anyway, and, and, which looks really but bad. And again,
1: us. who is this? Is the warning who? real? I mean, if if they really had this call. Where Trump said, "Yep, now this is your gig." If that actually happened, I, yeah, that's. I mean, obviously, somebody's not telling the truth. Now, I, I would tend to uh, support, uh, believe our president over Erdogan. <laughs> so, yeah. I, but still, like that needs to be sorted out. And, and you got to think the president of the United States, if he sees this and they're just lying about this phone call, he's
0: got to be infuriated today. I would think so. Well, maybe Nancy Pelosi can get a copy of that phone call. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. There is there's a lot happening today. Uh, Things are accelerating. Uh, We have Turkey uh, starting to drop bombs in Syria, uh, which they first said they weren't going to do. uh, Or Trump first said that he wasn't going to allow them to do. And then it was if they don't if they do anything inhumane. So we are we're displacing Thousands of Christians today in Syria, and they may die if we can't get them out, um, because I do believe that Syria is on a genocidal uh, tirade. Um, even if it doesn't happen right now, they're going to be in charge of of what's going on, and they are looking to reestablish the Ottoman Empire. And that is a stated goal. And I know, Ottoman Empire, that's crazy. That's as crazy as a caliphate. Listen... Don't listen to the so-called frickin' experts because they're wrong every step of the way. Take people at their word. Russia has also started using a new unit, what's been around for 10 years, to destabilize Europe. And our officials in Washington are wondering what's happening. Listen! Because we told you what was happening. We told you clearly this was coming. All you have to do is listen to the people who Putin listens to. Meanwhile, the impeachment hearings are making our president look weak to the bad guys in the world. You think there's a reason why China is upping the game? You're damn right, because they think they can win. Meanwhile, yesterday, the president repealed the open skies law, which allowed China and Russia and everybody else just to fly their military jets in our airspace with no problem. No, no. That was a bad law. But why did the president revoke it yesterday? Things are heating up. Listen to the first hour of this podcast today to find out just what's happening on Wall Street and what is happening with stocks and bonds and the bank bailouts that the Fed is doing. It is time now more than ever to keep calm and carry on. You cannot blindly support impeachment or support no impeachment. Don't blindly do it. You must have the facts. I told my staff today that we need, uh, we need some things up uh, on my set for the 5 o'clock because you can't understand. Nobody is, un- nobody is explaining this to you. And we are going to explain it every freaking night. We are going to go through it every night because people need to understand. Last night, we went over the whistleblower. Let me just give you some of the highlights. Here's how the usual whistleblower complaint is handled by the intelligence community. It's very simple. There are five steps. First, whistleblower has to come to the inspector general. The inspector general then has 14 days to determine if the complaint is credible and of urgent concern. You don't come in and file uh, uh, something. You go to the inspector general and you say, hey, listen, this is what I'm hearing. Well, what are you hearing this from? What, what, where did you get this? Did you see anything? They have 14 days after you go in and meet with the inspector general to see if it's credible and of urgent concern. Now, the urgent concern language is really important. An intelligence community urgent concern is defined as relating to the, quote, administration or operation of an intelligence activity within the authority of the director of national intelligence involving classified information. You can't just go to a member of Congress. You can't just go in and uh, and. And circumvent these things. You have to go to the IG because even if you have a top secret clearance doesn't mean you have clearance to see everything that's top secret. It's top secret. Do you have a clearance? Yes. What's your need to know? So members of Congress don't have a need to know things. If they do, they then can ask for those top secret documents and say, I have top secret clearance. But it's very important. Not everybody has any secret. Not everybody can just go to Area 51 and find the alien bodies. Do you have a need to know? All right. The information, step three, if the information is deemed credible and urgent, then the IG is required, required to forward it to the Nas- the Director of National Intelligence. Then the N- Director of National Intelligence, the DNI, has seven days to submit that report to Congress. However, if the information is deemed not credible or no action is taken, the whistleblower then can go directly to Congress. But capitalized, but he is required to tell the IG and work with the DNI to ensure that he isn't exposing classified information that he is not supposed to. Okay, that last step is incredible. You can go to Congress, but you have to inform the IG and the DNI because they have to look at that and say, wait, 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 wait. You can't tell them that because they don't have the clearance to know these things. Now that's the way it is. And we've seen this in every movie. Jack Bauer or any Tom Clancy character, Jack Ryan, is always in trouble because he's like, I'm just going to tell him. You can't tell him. And they always get in trouble for telling them. Here, this guy's going to get a promotion. What are we doing to our intelligence community? We are equipping them, we are arming them. All right, so that's what normally happens, but that's not what happened this time. Here is what happened. The phone call between President Trump and Ukrainian president occurred on July 25th, and then there's this weird 18-day gap. 18 days. The guy didn't file any kind of complaint. Well, he probably had to hear it from the water cooler. Did it take him 18 days to do it? Here's what happened. You follow the usual official process the complaint should have gone directly to the ig but the new york times broke the story that the whistleblower went straight to the house intelligence committee this whistleblower skipped steps one through four he only used half of uh, of number five he went directly to congress that's that's only one one line in step number five He didn't inform the IG. He didn't inform the DNI. No one. He went right directly to the Senate Intelligence Committee. Now, why is that? Why is that? What kind of responsible whistleblower does that? Cuts the system out. Because he could have gone to them and gotten nothing. But then the rules state, as long as he did that, he can go to Congress. Now, here's the part that they really don't want to, uh, they don't want you to know. What guidance did the Democrats give this whistleblower? How much and what information was shared? This whistleblower is a CIA officer, and he just revealed classified information without permission from the director of intelligence or the IG. And that 18-day gap before he decided to actually follow the correct procedure is not him deciding and tossing and turning because he went to Congress to Adam Schiff and the Intelligence Committee. That's in one of those glass rooms. You've seen them in You know the movies where they go into the glass rooms and you have to sign in, you have to buzz in, and then you sit in there and everything that you say is totally top secret. Nothing can come out of that room. Okay? This guy went into that room and talked to Adam Schiff and and Schiff and who else? Who else was in the room? Who else heard it? Was it the full committee that heard it? Or was it just a few? Did the DNC attorneys, did the attorneys for Adam Schiff that are in that room, did those attorneys help craft this whistleblower's story? What is what does Schiff know? When did he know it? Who else knew it? What was said? Who were the attorneys in the room? Did they help? Because here's what we know Schiff said. Okay, you've got to go get a lawyer. You gotta go get a lawyer? That's not in any of the procedures. You gotta go get the IG. You gotta go to the DNI. No, no, you gotta get a lawyer and you gotta prepare this case. For what? Schiff knew about it. I believe Schiff and possibly the attorneys in that room broke all kinds of laws, helped him craft this, then sent him to an attorney firm. And you're not going to guess who this attorney firm is. This attorney firm, the, the odds of this happening are just, I mean, so coincidental. The main lawyer representing the whistleblower is Mark Zaid. Shortly after the president was uh, inaugurated, Zaid co-founded an organization called The Whistleblower Aid. Its main page now says report government and corporate law breaking without breaking the law. But that's not what it said when it was first established right after the president was uh, inaugurated. No, no, no. Fortunately, whatever is online is forever. What it used to say was today our republic is under threat. Whistleblower aid is committed to protecting the rule of law in the United States and around the world. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But it almost seems like a setup, a partisan attack on Donald Trump. They didn't do it during the Obama administration. They did it right after Donald Trump was elected. And then, and then what they did is they went out and tried to goad people into uh, spilling the beans on Trump. They were on every street corner and every, you know, every uh, subway stop going to the Capitol. They stood on street corners in D.C., handing out pamphlets and whistles so you could whistleblow. They hung signs up in the D.C. metro that said, uh, you know, you've got to blow the whistle on this. This is the guy? He just happens to find this guy's firm. Or is this a partisan setup from the very beginning? It's at least worth knowing Before people start to say, yeah, I'm with this impeachment. It's at least worth the president being able to present some of these things, but nobody's doing it. We are five o'clock tonight. I tell you who the main player is. We expose the documents. We expose uh, tonight. Tonight, we're going to introduce you to. To. The uh, real Underwoods, Francis Underwood and his wife, Claire, were, I always thought, were the Clintons. No, Mm -mm. they were actually based on another real life couple, good friends of the Clintons, who are even more brutal than the Clintons. How were they involved? The Underwoods were involved in Ukraine. You damn right. Wait until you see the story of the Chalupa tonight, five o'clock. Join us, BlazeTV.com/slash Glenn. BlazeTV.com/slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn. Join us now. We'll see you at five o'clock. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Marion Smith is a civil society leader, expert in uh, international affairs. He has been the executive director of Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation since March of 2014. I, I love this organization. Uh, they are fighting to keep the, uh, the the multiple holocausts and programs alive in people's minds so we don't forget the victims of communism. Uh, and there are... Over 100 million of them now, just from the last uh, century. Marion uh, is from uh, South Carolina. And what I love is he is also the National Civic Art Society chairperson, which I don't know somebody with your credentials, how you got them to give you that role. But God bless you. Uh, Marion Smith, welcome.
3: Uh, thank you, Glenn. Great to be with you.
0: So can you just. These corporations, is it an overstatement to say uh, that these corporations that are in bed for the cash of China, that they are uh, going to someday possibly be remembered as the kind of company that the Nazi collaborators were?
3: Well, I I think, you know, 30 years ago, the Berlin Wall fell. And in, in the days after that, if someone would have said that in 2019, it would be America's business elite, sports, entertainment uh, elite that would be ushering in a censorship state inside of the United States, along with you know giant tech companies, I don't think anybody would have believed you. Um, but China has effectively intertwined themselves uh, into all elements of American society. They have been uh, very strategic and silent about it. They have appealed to uh, to greed and to short-term interest. And the uh, fallout right now over uh, the NBA's refusal to uh, stand immediately with Daryl Morey. Uh, eventually, after China, um, you know, punished the NBA, um, Adam Silver had statements uh, defending uh, free speech. But it's very clear the leadership of the NBA came down very heavily on on Maury, and he deleted his original uh, tweet supporting Hong Kong and and issued an apology. Horrible. Um, But, you know, the fallout of all of that is, I think, revealing to Americans uh, just what's wrong at the very top of so many of our institutions, and that is that they have made a deal with the devil and the Chinese Communist Party. Um, They have made money, and they have pretended that they're uh, advancing democracy And political values of freedom uh, by trading or or conducting business uh, with with China but simply not the case Yeah, yeah we're
0: not we're not bringing our culture into theirs we're bringing our products into theirs and they are bringing their their culture of of intimidation into our country
3: well the problem is that it's not even working on the business side anymore um, you know, internationally, China with their Belt Road Initiative is is, is, is essentially standing up a alternative to the you know rules based uh, international trading system that the United States has defended, which respects free enterprise, and they're uh, you know engaging in neo mercantilist exploitative um, you know trading policies with essentially uh, countries they're trying to make client states and in those countries they also uh, present their their values of authoritarianism um but then businesses western businesses operating in China have increasingly been pushed out now that their technology has sure. been stolen their business practices have been copied uh they're being pushed out as well and then of course the entire national security uh element to this and 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 the infiltration of um companies and and firms that are important uh for for u.s national security um you know all of this has been made possible by the silence uh in american society about the nature of of the people's republic of china silence on the human rights abuses that they've been conducting and it's been a bipartisan problem
0: so Um, can you give me a give me a rundown um because your organization is about the victims of communism and so you document these things and keep these stories alive Tell the American people the kinds of things that they're doing. For instance, the guy who was wearing a, Houston's, a Houston Rockets T-shirt tried to light the Chinese flag on fire. He was picked up by the Chinese police and disappeared. What happens to people like that? And what is their real record on human rights?
3: Well, the record on human rights, uh, going back to Uh, Mao's Communist Party and when they took over China in 1949, since that time, the Chinese Communist Party uh, is responsible for the deaths of some 50 million people. Um, The Chinese Communist Party remains the single deadliest entity in world history. And, uh, you know, that was through purges, that was through land reform, that was through uh, the Cultural Revolution. But they will, say, forward. they
0: will say those are things of the past. We're not those communists anymore.
3: That is what the, uh, that is what the uh, propaganda has been in the West since 1989, um, and uh, and Americans were eager to believe it. Um, And yet inside of China throughout that entire period, they were devouring their own people and ethnic minorities. The cultural genocide in Tibet uh, has continued until today. Um, And more recently, we've seen, of course, the the update of a gulag system, a 21st century gulag system in, in Xinjiang or East Turkestan, where one and a half to three million Uyghurs and and others, and and there there have been documented cases of Christians in those camps and of non-Uyghurs, non-Turkic people in those camps. Um, But it's basically a uh, um, three-tiered camp system where you have re-education camps, you have forced labor camps, and then you have sort of uh, factory towns or factory complexes where if you're really good and you make it out of the first two camps, uh, you can work um, in in one of those factory complexes. It's it's essentially a modern day gulag, and and to have up to three million people out of a population of 11 million in that province, it lets you know the scale. And in those camps, we do know that there is ideological training, um, you know, treating adults like they're four year olds and uh, making them cite. Um, you know, gibberish from Mao and Xi Jinping and, uh, you know, uh, proclaim allegiance to Marxism and Maoism, and we know that there is uh, low-skill, labor-intensive, you know, uh, products being made in in those facilities. Uh, Sadly, uh, some of it, clothing, you know, for fact, uh, has ended up in in, in Western countries being sold in stores.
0: Marion. How serious is the threat of China to
3: freedom around the world? Well, we are—we have begun to see um, the, the nature of, of the of the party revealed externally. Uh, they have, for now, seventy years. You know, uh, this this month, uh, the People's Republic of China turned seventy. That means they have officially outlived the. Soviet Union, which fell apart in its 69th year. Um, and, you know, in, in 1990, the Soviet Union no longer believed um, that its system was, uh, um, was better than the West. Um, they didn't have a confidence in, in, in Marxism-Leninism. But what you see today under Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party is absolutely an arrogant confidence that their system is just as good, if not better, uh, than democracy. And well, they're right. They
0: are the the people of China are not rooting for the Hong Kong people. Um, they they actually are convinced now that they're they're terrorists.
3: Well, of course, to to understand uh, anything about China, it, we, we have to remind Americans that. We can't trust them. We can't trust the economic data. we can't trust the polling numbers. we can't trust statistics that they put out. They lie. Communists lie. The Chinese Communist Party lies. It's been, it's been uh, documented across all industries medical data coming out, economic uh, data, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The Chinese people, sadly, don't really understand what's going on in the outside world. Um, And that's partially because American tech engineers and tech companies like Google and their project Dragonfly Mm. have been helping the Chinese to perfect uh, a more total totalitarian system than Orwell could have ever dreamed of. And because of that, you know, things like the Tiananmen Square massacre, things like the Hong Kong protest, and what's really going on in the outside world are not known in China. Um, because of the effectiveness of the censorship uh, uh, authorities and, and the measures online and and the draconian punishments uh, for anyone, um, like that individual you just mentioned who was making a, a statement supporting the Houston Rockets., yeah. um, so but but to see that same kind of uh, punishment uh, given by American companies against their employees in the United States, um, you know, we had last year Marriott fired an employee for tweeting something critical of, of China in the United States. Um, and, and you see it, uh, Blizzard, an, an e-sports uh, company, has just fired a number of people uh, over statements made by one of their gamers uh, in support of Hong Kong. But why is Hong Kong so important? Because it proves uh, to the world that Chinese people can be uh, prosperous, free, happy without the Chinese Communist Party. And that's Mm -hmm. an existential threat to the propaganda of Beijing, which has done its best to make sure that everybody understands that China is the party, the party is China, and to criticize the the party is to somehow criticize the Chinese people or to be racist against Chinese people. That's just not true.
0: Marion Smith, uh, Executive Director of Victims of uh, Communism. The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.